One of my best friend's moms is a real estate agent. She's charismatic, bubbly, endless fun, and a fierce negotiator. One sunny day in Northern California, she was showing a woman a home in Silicon Valley. The house was beautiful, bright, trendy, and very well appropriated. As she escorted the potential buyer to the front door, the woman stopped on the steps and went sheet white. Her face fell, and a sheen of sweat and panic covered her forehead. As she stood frozen on the front steps, she quietly whispered, Ooh, I don't like this house. What did she not like? The design, the neighborhood, the landscaping? With a perplexed shake of her head and a dismissive gesture, she insisted it was nothing and was keen to carry on. Being a successful realtor who'd been in the business for a very long time, she knew she did not have the winning house for this client before she even opened the lockbox. But the two women continued inside together and viewed 22,000 square feet of polished marbled floors and vaulted ceilings. The woman was quiet, her eyes darting from room to room. My friend's mom is a straight shooter, and she pulled the woman aside and asked her point blank, what is it about this house that upsets you? The woman was very tentative as she asked, do you know what happened in this house? No, replied the realtor. There was nothing in the listing notes. No reason that this bright and airy home should be scary. I don't know exactly what happened in this house, the woman replied. But whatever it was, it was awful. And it's still here. The look in the woman's eyes was haunting, full of fear and warning. Needless to say, she didn't buy that house. This client's experience really upset her dedicated real estate agent. The next day, in the office, she saw the listing agent. And over an informal cup of coffee, she absentmindedly said, I showed one of your listings yesterday. It was funny, though. My client felt very odd in the home. Truth be told, she was actually quite fearful. She looked up over the tendrils of steam that rose from her cappuccino as she saw the face of her colleague Hardin, lips flattened into a thin line while her hands wound tightly around her coffee cup. Pretending not to notice the change in her colleague, she continued, did something happen in that house? The listing agent sat quietly and stoically across from her. Coldly and methodically, she rose, turned to the door, and as she reached it, she slowly turned and with a blistering stare stated, there is nothing I need to tell you about that house. And then she left. Sometimes we don't know why we feel a certain way in a space, but we've all had that feeling. It's inexplicable, unexplainable, and often takes us by surprise. But some people are more in tune with these feelings, more receptive, shall we say. And for them, they need to gather the skills for how to negotiate this world in those moments when the veil between the living and the dead is so thin that it takes them by surprise.
and welcome to season two of the West London Witch, a podcast where we share stories about those moments where we find ourselves very much not alone. Sometimes stories come to me from very strange places. A girlfriend of mine sent me a TikTok that had been featured on BuzzFeed's Instagram account. One of the BuzzFeed producers had made a TikTok about his first encounter with the supernatural. And it was so fascinating, beautiful, and detailed, I knew I had to reach out to him. Michael Drummonds is not only a producer for BuzzFeed, but also has a fabulous TikTok and Instagram where he shares stories about his life as a medium and a whole array of fascinating insight into the spirit realm. Some of his stories are light and ethereal, and some are dark, frightening, and wholly unsettling. And we were very lucky enough to have him share some of those stories with us. So sit back and prepare for a collection of tales from across the spiritual spectrum. I'm Rebecca Strazina, and this is The West London Witch, Episode 21, The Presence. So this is the first time that I ever communicated or saw a spirit or an alien or whatever terminology you want to use. And I was two years old when it happened. And normally when I say I was two years old, people are like, how do you remember being two years old? But when I was older, around like 10 years old, I... I had every detail of this experience. And I remember asking my parents, I was like, did this happen to me when I was two years old? Like, I mean, down to which I'll describe, but every little detail of it, the location of it, everything. And they were both just sort of like, how do you remember that? You're not supposed to remember that. And we have all these pictures from it and stuff. The story begins when Michael and his family were on a vacation to Tennessee. The family were staying in a hotel. And one afternoon, Michael's mom took him and his siblings to enjoy a dip in the indoor pool. And so my mom is watching me, a two-year-old in the kiddie pool. And I have an older brother and older sister and an older cousin, and they're all swimming in the shallow end of the main pool. So everyone's splashing around. There's lots of noise. It's indoors. So all these noises are echoing, reverberating. Um, My mom is sitting on the side of the kiddie pool, like kind of watching me in the shallow water, but also keeping an eye on the rest of the family. And... I think I had just finished potty training or something because I had to go to the bathroom and she was really proud of me for asking to use the bathroom. And so she wanted me to actually use it like properly. So I remember distinctly like her holding my hand and like my mom had long nails and I can remember her nails kind of pinching my like little hand and the way that felt even. And I remember like walking across this cold tile of the pool to get to this bathroom. And it was a single stall kind of bathroom. So it just had one door, you know, with like one toilet and sink in there. Because Michael's mom was all alone with the kids, she told Michael to go into the single bathroom unit by himself while she held the door ajar so she could keep an eye on all of her children. So she held the door open for me. I go inside to go to the bathroom. It's one of those like really heavy like spring-loaded doors. And so she holds it back. And as soon as she kind of, as soon as I'm in there, it kind of slips out of her hand. And I remember like kind of waddling in as like a two-year-old and walking into this bathroom and just the slam of this heavy metal door, just like, boom, like behind me, just 
an instant. It was the clash from the echoey, loud noises and yell and yelling of like kids in the pool and like just all the sounds reverberating off of this indoor pool. And then instant silence once that door slammed closed. And I remember there was no like period of me trying to figure it out. It was just instant terror on my part as soon as that happened. And I remember I can picture where if I'm facing the bathroom, the toilet is here on the left, the sink is here on the right. It's got these fluorescent lights up here. It's freezing, it's cold. There's like dirt mixed with pool water all on the ground. It's kind of gross. And I'm just, I don't really have any concept of death at the time, you know, I'm like too young for that. All I know is like, I'm in this space, I'm terrified. And I felt like I'm cut off from whatever. I was cut off from mom, I was cut off from everything. So I just start freaking out. And I remember, this is why I remember it so well. It was just so traumatic. I'm just like screaming, I'm shaking. I turn around and I go to try to pull on the door handle. It's one of those metal um, single handles. So I remember reaching up and trying to like yank on it and open the door. And there's just no budging whatsoever. Now that the bathroom door has closed, it's totally silent in the stall. Michael is screaming and shouting, but... He doesn't know if his mom can even hear him on the other side of the door. If two-year-olds can have panic attacks or whatever, I, I just basically have this panic attack and I'm freaking out over it. I remember at some point something clicked in my brain where I realized I can't get this door open. Like even as a two-year-old, I had some weird sense of awareness that I was like, I, I can't do it. And I give up, I'm like sobbing and I just sit down in the middle of the floor on this cold tile and I just I just give up and I just start crying and that's when it happens that's when all of a sudden like from above me like kind of floating up here around like my shoulders I just feel this intense warm like loving blanket feels like it gets wrapped over my shoulders and it's the most intense oh I have like chills just thinking about it It's the most like intense, like unconditionally loving, embracing, peaceful, like hug. And I'm aware that there's like multiple people in the room with me now. And it was so intense too, because the clash of it is I'm like cold, shivering, freezing and terrified. And this was just like this instant embrace from this like it felt like you know those electric blankets that you can like plug in and they warm up it's almost as if someone just took one of those and wrapped it around like my little body but then squeezed me with it too like really just comforted me and so i'm aware and i i'm like it feels like there's multiple people in the room and i kind of like look up and look around and i can kind of see it was kind of hard to differentiate them all but it felt like there were like three of them, but they're sort of these just like light beams. I don't I don't know how to describe it, but they're sort of just light silhouettes. And they were all kind of connected to each other. Like it was hard to distinguish one from the other, but I could tell that there was at least three of them surrounding me. And I don't know why it was really important. Maybe it's because it's what I needed at the time. One of them was distinctly female because she was the one that started talking to me then. And so all of them are kind of down around me, like on the ground, almost as if they're kneeling, if they have bodies, but it didn't really feel like they did. And they're holding me and they start like rocking me. And I can feel them all just like, like just this loving, comforting embrace. And I start to calm down. My breathing starts to calm down. And the female one specifically 
I can feel her. She's just telling me that I'm safe over and over, that I'm okay. And she just keeps like kind of gently, like kind of like a lullaby telling me this over and over. And I start to like, oh man, I can almost like cry thinking about it. Um, and I just start to like calm down and I stay that way for a while. And it, I, it's almost like I can feel them burned into my cells from that experience. It was just such a like intense moment. And I stay that way for a while, just peacefully calm down, feeling this warmth. And then I don't know how much time has gone by, but all of a sudden I hear the, the door of the actual bathroom kind of like jam open. And there's an older man, maybe in his like early 60s or something standing there. And my mom is standing next to him and they got the door open. I guess it had, I guess the metal had like jammed shut or something. And as soon as that happened, it was like all of those beings around me sort of just dissipated. They sort of just floated away. This might have been Michael's first interaction with the supernatural, but it certainly wasn't his last. Even though he describes the experience as traumatic, it's almost as though it acted as a catalyst for his ongoing relationship with the spirit world. It's almost like this episode unlocked his ability to sense and experience the spirit realm. For most of Michael's life, he kept his mediumship secret. He would do channel readings and mediumship work for his close inner circle of family and friends, but mainly, he kept his light hidden. I was kind of nervous about people thinking I was crazy and stuff. Um, obviously, I've grown out of that. I don't care. <laughs> I used to just do these for, like I said, for close friends and family. But there was a distinct moment when that changed for me. And it broke me out to start opening up to like the public and doing it for strangers and people I didn't know. Several years ago, Michael was working at a college in Florida when all of a sudden he felt an incredible calling to share his gift. I don't know if you've ever been to Florida or any of your listeners have been to Florida. Florida has a very peculiar, intense energy. And I think it has a very peculiar energy because we are surrounded by water, not just circumference-wise, but also there's no grounding beneath the land here. You just dig 10 feet down and you're hitting water. So there's no grounding. There's no rock stability here. So a lot of people, I think, struggle finding grounding here. And because of that, the energies can be very swirly. They can be very blending. You can really feel it. It's very palpable. Um, So if you're not used to the environment, it can be a lot. But um, having said that, it also, I feel like there's probably a ton of psychics here as well. Because if you grew up here, you really have to learn how to navigate those energies. So I'm working at this college. It's in St. Pete, Florida. It's a fantastic college. I I loved working there. But the campus of this college had a really, really intense energy to it. Um, and a lot of times whenever I'm navigating a landscape of energy, um, which is called the crystalline grid, it's, it's essentially it's the memory of energy over the surface of the earth. The crystalline grid blankets the entire planet. Think of it as a record book for highly charged energies. Because the crystalline grid stores these memories, It's the reason why you can feel the sadness in a location that has been struck with disaster and tragedy. Think about places like Gettysburg. There have been endless reports of people not only seeing soldiers still on the battlefield appear before them in a ghostly apparition, but they can also feel the intensity of the pain, the loss, and the sorrow that the soldiers felt during that gruesome campaign of bloodshed and strife. It's palpable. You can actually feel that energy running through you, 
because it's stored within the crystalline grid. I don't know what happened on this campus, but the energy was always very, very palpable and very intense. And a lot of times whenever I'm navigating the land like that, it can almost feel like if you've ever been swimming in an ocean or something or a lake and you can feel pockets of like hot and cold, and hot and cold, you might just hit a cold patch or a warm patch out of nowhere. Um, that's kind of what it feels like when you're navigating space like that. Um, you might feel like all of a sudden energetically this kind of like uplift patch or you might feel this sort of like downlift patch. Well, I was working one time and the creative director at the time of this college, who would have been my superior, was walking around the space. It was like an open office plan. And I just kept getting these like intense energy pulses towards her. And I'm familiar with that. I'm not familiar with sharing it with strangers at the time, particularly someone who's my superior, my boss, who's like this older woman who's like the creative director of the full college. Um, so the way I have to deal with it is I have to journal it. So I just start journaling and it becomes very clear to me that it's her dad that's trying to come through. Her dad has all these messages for her. Now, I don't know this woman at all. I don't know if her dad is even dead or not. I don't know if he's still alive. I don't, I don't know anything about this woman other than what her job is. So I'm just journaling, I'm journaling this whole thing. I journal pages of it. And the, the particular energy that I'm channeling is very um, specific. I was typing up some of the things that he was saying and I would provide the gist of it. And he was very like corrective about it. So I could be like, oh my gosh, your dad loves you so much. And he would just be like, uh, I would never say that I love her so much. Here's what I would say to her. And he would correct the message. He wanted it. He was very particular about the way I communicated this message. So I'm typing all this up because it's the only way for me to release the energy that's trying to come through. I don't have any intentions of giving the woman this thing that I'm channeling or the messages. I just need to release it because I was too insecure, I was too shy to do anything like that. Well, I've, I've at this point, I've got two or three pages of information here. I let it go. I'm like, okay, I think it's done. I think that's all that I can channel. So I leave alone. She leaves. She goes to lunch or something like that. She's no longer next to me. Her or in proximity to me, so I can kind of feel it kind of lift a little bit. And five minutes later, he just comes like pulsing through and it's just like, give it to her, print it out, give her everything you wrote down. She needs it today. And it becomes so like persistent that I really just can't ignore it. And I just made a decision in that moment. I was just like, this thing's not gonna leave me alone unless I do this. I might like lose my job over this. She's gonna think I'm crazy. I have no idea, but I print it out and I leave her a note. And I just write, you might think all of this is absolutely crazy and bonkers, but I feel like this is what was happening and I just need to pass this along to you. Feel free to ignore it or we never have to talk about this again. We never have to address it again. It's fine. Hopefully it's not weird in the office. I don't know, whatever. And I just like left early that day. I was so scared and nervous for it. The next day, Michael returned to work, terrified that it could be his last. The morning began with the creative director calling him into her office for a private conversation about the letter he had left for her. And she's just teary-eyed. And anyways, we talked for hours, but the long story short, um, her dad was a jeweler who made necklaces. And she was going through a really difficult time that particular day. And he had, she had one necklace in particular that she always wore when she needed advice from her dad. She saved it on special occasions. And of course, she was wearing it that day. And it's interesting because he provided really specific advice for her and she ended up taking action steps with that advice. And for the next like nine months while I worked there, 
every like three months she would tell me like the trickle of how it happened everything from like providing closure with her family to like an old ex that she couldn't get over like all sorts of stuff how her whole life just sort of like how just just relaying that message i thought would just give her closure with her dad or like you know give her warm fuzzies to know that he's with her but it was really interesting to see how that rippled into not her not just her life but what she was doing with that information What an incredible gift to be able to share with someone. But for every light and happy experience Michael has had, he's also had some terrifying ones that have really taken him by surprise. Because that's the thing about this gift. You don't always get to choose when it presents itself. So I'm in the process of moving, and this happened a few months ago. Um, I've definitely been to a lot of different places where you feel that really heavy, like kind of dark energy of the space. And I would say when it comes to those kind of spaces, you can absolutely clear that energy in what, in different ways. Um, this was one house that I was looking at though, that I found that was just like beautiful on the outside. It was so beautiful. It was like the most photogenic home. I saw the ad online. I was like, this is the one. It had a great price. It was kind of like a too good to be true kind of thing. I was like, why is the price so amazing? How has no one snatched this up? Um, It was a lovely kind of bungalow home that was like white on the outside. It had steps. It had a a detached garage in the back, but it had like that little white picket gate fence to get back to it and beautiful grass on the front. Anyways, it was a very picturesque home that I was looking at uh, moving into. So I make the drive to go see this house. Um, I arrived there a little bit early um, before the realtor could come. And like, I'm in the front yard and I'm just like, okay, it feels really nice here. There's birds chirping in this beautiful street. The moment I stepped over the threshold in this house, I instantly felt like there's something in there and it was not pleasant at all. It was so dense. It was so heavy. It was kind of aggressive. and so I'm walking around and I, I instantly know the second my foot is over the threshold, I instantly know like, nope, <laughs> just hard pass. Um, but the realtor was there. So I was like, in my head, I'm like, okay, well, let me just walk around and see if I can, like I mentioned the spring um, example, let me see if I can find some hot, cold patches of like, you know, where the energy lifts a little bit. Let me see how big this heavy spring is essentially. So I'm walking around getting heavier the further back into the house that I'm going like the front actually as jarring as the front threshold and that front first living room was it seems to be getting heavier as it's going back there so I'm kind of navigating it I'm feeling it I'm feeling and whenever this starts to happen a lot of times I start to feel this like intense kind of pressure coming onto my body I start to it starts to be harder to focus my body feels heavier I can get dizzy it's almost like like really the barometric pressure just got cranked up by like 30 points or something. You just start to feel like, whoa, like something's coming down on me. It's so heavy. So I'm walking around and I make it to the back bedroom. As soon as I walk into the space, this is where I'm like, something happened here. This is where something, I start to feel this like really dark, intense, like some kind of violent thing has happened in this room, like instantly. And I look into the corner where like, a I imagine it's an empty space. So I imagine, I don't know, that's where I would put a bed or whatever. I look into the corner and I get this flash in my mind of a mother and her son on the ground and she's holding her son and she is screaming in horror, like absolutely like blood curdling screams. 
like it's something really violent or something that's like she's trying to protect him and it's super intense um and i'm standing here looking at it down there and i'm i'm like seeing it all happen and i at, for a moment i realized oh should i help them like what's going on but she's looking at something over my shoulder like as i'm standing in the middle of the room and she's that's what she's screaming at she's not screaming at like i can tell she's screaming at something behind me over my shoulder so i like turn and i look up over my shoulder and right above me is one of those old like 1920s attic doors with like the 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 string hanging down that you pull down and there is just this like imagine this like heavy black the size of like a u-haul box just like weighted box up there and it's kind of like rocking around a little bit like like something's inside it or something um i can't see what's through it i don't want to see what's through it but the mother and the son are still like screaming from some dark energy that's in this attic of this house no idea what's going up there i kind of freak out i had like chills i'm like okay i need to get out of this room <laughs> like this is too overwhelming because i'm caught in the middle of both of them so spatially they're on one side of me and this thing is on the other side up above me so i'm actually caught in the middle of this like energetic pulsing that's happening and so i'm very just like lost in it and it's like i got to get out that here i walk outside and the backyard very photogenic it's got beautiful grass got sitting area i'm trying really hard to ground myself and it's impossible to ground myself um, so I'm just like, man, I need to get some grounding. I'm walking on grass. There's brick everywhere. I'm like touching the stones. I'm like trying to get some grounding here. And I take a few deep breaths and I look over to the corner and there's one patch of grass that just has these swarms of flies. Just like, and it's just over this one particular patch of grass. There's no flies anywhere else. And it's not like one of the things where the sun's hitting there, so flies come out. It's like, it's just this like swarm of flies. And as soon as I see it, I see a flash of some guy burying something there. And I don't know what it was. I didn't want to entertain it. I didn't want to go down that or anything. So I just instantly see that. And I'm just like, nope, 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 nope. Like, I can't deal with this. There was obviously something very dark and very wrong rooted into the fabric of this property. Michael was desperate to get out of this house but the only way back to his car was through the home. As much as he didn't want to go back into the back bedroom for fears of seeing the mother and child, he also wondered if there was anything he could do to help the pair. I still see the same thing going. Um, the mom and the son though are just like kind of defeated, it feels like when I look back in that corner, like they're just not, I don't know how to explain it. It's, it's felt like the energy didn't lift, it calmed in a different way, if that makes sense. Like the like the end of a fight or something, um, but not a reconciliation. <laughs> it was just sort of like, it was like something was showing me for me to get out of there, not to help though. Like there was just too much going on. And long story short, I ended up <laughs> leaving two seconds later and telling the lady, thank you, no thank you. I want nothing to do with this house. And I even said, I was like, they could give this house to me for free. I would not take it. Like if they gave me the deed to the house, I would say, no, thank you. Like I wanted nothing to do with it. Sometimes that's how the spirit world works. Everyday activities like viewing a home, cooking dinner, doing laundry, or reading a book can be interrupted by a scene from the other side. 
And sometimes there's no resolution. And other times there are incredible reunions. Our last story from Michael today is both terrifying and surprisingly lovely. It all started when Michael was staying in some temporary housing for a few months. The home was pleasant, pretty, and Michael was comfortable in this transitional space. I'm in this place in St. Pete. I'm in this like temporary housing situation. And the room is like this shade of like olive green. It's got white trim. I'm just lying in bed. I'm listening to music on my iPad, journaling or drawing. I'm in sort of this like quiet meditative space. It's nighttime. Um, And I feel this energy come into the room. And the energy feels really heavy. And it feels very like intense. And it kind of scares me a little bit. And I'm just like, okay, uh, what's going on here? Um, something's trying to get me, I'm in a new place, what's going on? And I kind of nervously ask, is there an energy in here? And when I do that, my iPad starts getting like hijacked. It starts flashing and changing and I'm not touching it at all. Um, it just, the screen starts changing and it's like glitching out. And so I'm like, okay, well, clearly there's something in here. So I just say, who are you? And I'm recording my iPad, and right after I ask that, it changes the music on my iPad to an album I didn't even know was on there. It's like one of those um, ones that come with the library or something. And it's just this classical piano music. I think the title of the album was something like At the Door Between Life and Death. I'm hearing the piano music, and it's kind of like an intense part, and then it starts speeding up and this is on an iPad like you have to touch it for it so I'm recording on my phone what I'm seeing it just starts speeding up almost like a horror film it's just this classical music that's just like like going really really fast with like screechy violins and piano and stuff it's like really intense but the part that it was showing me was the title of the album and that's where it was called like the bridge between life and death and I was like oh okay well this energy must help crossing over or something um, so this energy was freaking me out. Um, it didn't feel like it was attacking me or anything, but it was freaking me out. And after I kind of was like, okay, you need to present yourself in a new way because this is like too much. It ended up kind of morphing into this little girl, six or seven, and she was deaf and she was lost. I studied American Sign Language in college. I grew up learning it, so I was familiar with it. So I instantly felt comfortable with her. She needed to find her mom. It was almost like a kid being lost in a grocery store. She was crying, she was freaking out. Um, and that. Originally was how she was communicating to me, but that was scaring me until I was able to see she's just, you know, an innocent energy who just needs help. Um, and that opens it up to me of knowing I can help her at that point. So I do some rituals. I do some callings, um, some light visualization. I ask like the ascended masters and guides to come and like help her find whoever she needs to find. I, I feel in the middle of one of them, like the, these loving beings. And again, it's that energy signature of when I was like two years old. That's how I know when they've come. It's the, it's so high up here and so unconditionally loving, but I can feel when they sort of integrate into the room. And I felt them come in and kind of treat her the same way. They kind of took her and then they kind of took her somewhere. And so I feel all of the energy left after that. And it's like, oh, okay, it's been cleared. The next morning when Michael awoke, once again, he felt the unmistakable and overwhelming energy of the little girl. But this time, she wasn't frantic or scary. She was full of light, joy, and gratitude. And she wasn't alone. 
there's another energy there with her. And it's the mom energy that I felt. She found her mom or something. Something happened. Um, and she's just like, she's just ecstatic. Like she's just like really happy and she's about to like go somewhere. They're both going somewhere together. And just as that happens, my um, iPad goes off and I have two one second identical videos of just a, just like still sounds and a white face. It's just two videos just showed up on my iPad after that of just one second white blocks. It was almost like she had given those to me as like a confirmation of this like, thank you. Like I found where I needed to find, I found like my mother and we're good now. We've like crossed over and stuff. But so, yeah, so I have this recording of me being freaked out with this thing going like that. And then waking up the next day to these like two white one second video. It's just a white second video of just white space. I don't even know how that happened, but there's two of them. What's so fascinating about this experience to me is that although the energy was frightening to begin with, once Michael asked it to present itself in a different light, the little girl was able to help Michael help her. For many years, Michael kept his gift hidden from the world, worried about the ridicule he might encounter. But he's grown past that and now generously shares his experiences and insights on his TikTok at Far Out Official and on Instagram at Michael Drummonds. I totally recommend you check him out for more of his captivating tales. Do you have a spooky story you'd like to share? I'd love to hear it. Drop me an email at thewestlondonwitch at gmail.com or find us on Instagram and Facebook at thewestlondonwitch. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. And come and follow us for additional content on Instagram and Facebook. Until next time, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and Merry Meet again. The West London Witch is created by me, Rebecca Strazina. Our sound designer and production magician is the incredible Danny Cross. Our theme music was bespokely written and performed by the wickedly talented Kyle Hall. Our cover art is the beautiful collaboration between Lizzie Wilson and Jake Bowser. Special thanks to Miss Sinead Bowers, our quality control and biggest cheerleader. And thank you to you, all of our listeners all over the world. These are your stories. Thank you for sharing them with us.